UFO round table. The UFO thinker and pursuit of the paranormal podcasts. Okay, so here we are again for the monthly roundup round table of uh, recent events with myself, Frank, joined once again by Ash and Greg. How Hello. are you doing, chaps? Hello. Uh, good, uh, good. Oh, good, yeah. Excellent. And uh, today we're also joined by the wonderful Thunderbird. How are you doing today? Hey, yeah, really good. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Ah, absolute pleasure. So I'll, this. yeah, it should be, should be fun as usual. This is actually the third one now. It's kind of, they come around pretty quick, don't they? I can't believe that. Yeah, <laughs> it does. So I'll leave all of our social media links and everything in the episode description and Let's get stuck in with some of the recent things that have been going on, eh? Awesome. So, yeah, so the the legislation side of things. So there's there's currently a load of legislation to do with UFOs, UAP, working its way through the complex legal processes in the United States. And um, the things that are relevant to the, the UFO, UAP topic are kind of contained within various bills, uh, the proposed language for the National Defense Authorization Act and Intelligence Authorization Act for the fiscal year 23. And uh, the, the bills that are being put forward contain wording about all manner of things, including amnesty and immunity for people uh, with clearances and NDAs and things to be able mm. to report relative info, uh, relevant info to, through a secure system. And uh, also expansions to this current UFO office to widen the scope of, of what's been investigated and basically increase transparency with the public. So a lot going on there. That makes for some pretty heavy reading, actually, to get through all the documents. So I don't know how <laughs> yeah. clued up each of us are and stuff. But just in general, how hopeful uh, are you guys that we can get some kind of answers or some some better answers because i suppose we've already got a little bit of answers recently but how hopefully that we can get some better answers from the u.s government um through a, like a, an increased transparency process is it something you pay a lot of attention to are the answers kind of likely to come from elsewhere or do you think we're going to get some answers from the government and uh start with ash yeah so yeah <laughs> i mean again it's interesting and the language they're using does all come across as quite positive. From looking at it from our viewpoint as people quite entrenched in the field, and the language that they're using, the sort of official lines that they're using, it all sounds positive. And it's like, oh, this is actually interesting. It actually sounds like they actually want to get this stuff reported, do these reports, give these reports to Congress, all this sort of stuff. It's like, oh, it actually sounds like we are moving forward a little bit. So I guess I'm ever the optimist that this is going to be a positive thing. And they're talking like, they seem to not talk about man-made stuff. They are talking about like transmedium, unknown unknowns, all this stuff. And it's like, yes, we, we it, I, I don't know. I'm super positive. And like, I've read probably about half of the, it's like 32 pages in this act and trying to read and make sense of what they're actually saying and what they're not saying. But it is positive and it definitely movement and again we still see movement does seem to be coming and i think maybe a little bit faster than i thought it would have been because these like information's coming out dates are coming out there's different processes that are going to be happening 
And it's just, I don't know, it's, I think it is going to be a good thing. I think it is going to be, whether, I mean, again, whether we get we get the answers or whether we get a very highly redacted answers to the public is obviously going to remain to be seen. But as of them talking to each other and the conversation happening in government, I think it's super, super positive. That's my uh, initial take on it, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's something I was talking about uh, the other day on an episode that I put out is a lot of this is really positive. But like you said, a big question is how we actually as the public going to get to see a lot of it? Or is it going to be like one of those ridiculously redacted documents where everything's blacked out and you can't actually yeah. make out too much, you know, but like you say, good to see the, the wheels in, in motion sort of thing. How yeah, about sure. you? How about you? Uh, Thunderbird, what do you reckon? Oh, I think we're on there. We, we may be muted. One day I'm going to learn that, honestly. Oh my it's God. all right. It's traditional. Got to happen yeah. at least once. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, started the event with that. Um, no, I think good on Ash for like remaining positive about it. I think, you know, there's so many times you can just like lose your whole confidence with all of this and be like, oh, nothing's going to happen. So I think, yeah, obviously a lot of things have happened and are happening and, you know, you've really got to be positive about that. I think um, it seems from the Arrow stuff that's come out of it, you know, I think it seems quite broad and that's interesting and good, I guess. I think, you know, great that we've got these things in place. Obviously, it's so positive more than, you know, we've had previously. Um, But, you know, equally, whether they'll actually have any answers to give anybody is another matter, you know. So it might be frustrating from that point of view if you know, and there's different opinions. If we think that people, you know, people in the Pentagon don't really know a lot. I mean, obviously, Lou Elizondo's crew found out some things, but perhaps it, you know, there isn't a lot more to be had other than the bits they know already, and maybe it won't satisfy us. So who knows? I'll try and be more like Ash. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, healthy dose of of optimism is definitely a a, a good thing. But like you say, it's it's a really interesting question that, you know, as a, as a kind of a, a separate question as to what exactly there is to disclose, you know, when we talk about disclosure and that kind of thing. But maybe we'll come back to that in a minute. But what do you reckon, Greg, just about this whole thing? Do you reckon we're going to see much answers from the government in the States? Um, well, there's definitely seems to be a speeding up of the release of what they're going to do. So they, they had the congressional meetings, then all of a sudden, well, I say all of a sudden, but in the grand scheme of a timeline, all of a sudden we start getting these in-depth reports. Um, what I so I'm I'm more of the paranormal side of our podcast, so the UFO side of it. I'm I'm looking at a lot of this from the eyes of the person in the street, the the non-researchy kind of person like you guys so seeing some of the wording on it where it talks about unidentified aerospace undersea phenomena that's quite a big i know that goes back to transmedium stuff but that's quite a big shift from their spacecraft for want of a better phrase to these could be anywhere from space to the bottom of the ocean and to me suggests that they clearly know, well, I know we've seen videos of it, uh, of what appears to be something going under the sea, um, caught on the, the naval um, radar stuff, but for them to change it from going from UFOs to UAPs to 
what appears to be UAUP, I suppose. Um, that's quite a, quite a big step in what appears to be just a, a couple of years, really, since, say, the, the Tic Tac video came out and all that kind of stuff. There seems to be a, a massive sort of swing towards getting it through government. But like you say, are we actually going to be shown anything? These is all great words, and we spoke about on the last time, on the last roundtable, that is this just another tick box exercise just to satisfy the relevant people for long enough to sort of whet the appetite, as it were. So I'm not sure that we're going to see anything apart from words on a page, maybe, and the odd video. Because in the congressional meetings, just going back to those and the hearings, where they had that video of the, that tiny sphere going past the, the plain cockpit, they couldn't even stop the video in the right place. It, they were completely unprepared for that. So it, it looks like tick boxing to me. But Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because it kind of ties in with that thing that we said we're going to go back to. So let, let's go back to it. You know, the thing about like what they actually have to disclose, like those videos that they showed in that hearing, is that, some of the best stuff or is that like some of the worst stuff they could possibly have picked to to make it appear that they don't have much you know really uh, you know compelling footage and i suppose it's a similar kind of thing with these you know these uh, offices these groups that are being set up you know within you know the u.s government you know are they actually going to be able to get to the bottom of anything it all depends on how much you believe there is to actually get to the bottom of like what's the extent of you know what's being held in these kind of secretive programs and things like that thunderbirds raring to go so let, let go on what, what are you saying <laughs> all i was gonna just chip in with was um that I, I just think that guy gets um what's his name not Moultrie was it Bray yeah um, I know you know we we slate them widely and probably justifiably so but I really think he was a bit misunderstood in that I think he was just trying to show this is what we're dealing with with some of the videos it can be hard obviously I mean they've got the experts they've got the best analysis tools we know that but I, I think that's what he was trying to say with that video saying look what a nightmare you can't see anything. And I think people took that as he was trying to show us some goods and it wasn't what we wanted. So I, I, that's my personal take on that one. So, but yeah, they couldn't even show you something like that very well. But I think he was trying to make the point to Congress. Look, we can hardly ever see what are on these videos, which may or may not be true. Yeah, no, I hear, I, hear, I think that that is true. You know, what, what, what Bray was basically trying to put across with that video is that, you know, in a lot of cases, there's very little to go off. And I, th I think he actually said after the video was played, if I remember rightly, he said in some cases we have even less than that, mm -hmm. which, you know, is probably true. A lot of these probably are very low on data. But I think what I go back to is is that probably the most compelling case in terms of like, you know, being unknown and, and being really, really interesting is is the the Nimitz Tic Tac, and that is also just so happens to be the one that they've got the most data on. So that that's really interesting to me that what whether you whatever you think of the motivations of like Bray and Moultrie, what they were trying to put across, certainly seems to be not necessarily the case that if a video has got a lot of data, then oh, it's easily explainable. All we need is the data. Actually, sometimes as the tic tac goes to prove they've yeah. got plenty of data yeah. and it's still completely unresolved yeah that's and, it, and, isn't 
and unknown. So, but what what we want, what we all want, whether you're skeptical, whether you you know whatever you think about all of this stuff, is to get some more of those data rich cases, don't we? So that everyone can get stuck into it. The skeptics can have a look, see what they yeah. think. You know, people who are sort of like true believers or whatever, you know, can have a look at it as well. And the more of those, you know, we get, I guess, the better, really. Anything to add, any of you guys? I just wanted to raise, because I know, Frank, you've looked into it a lot more than I have, is the sentence that was sort of interesting to me is that when he says, at a time when cross-domain transmedium threats to US national security are expanding exponentially. So that sentence is, like, when something expands exponentially, that's, like, massively getting, that's, like, numbers getting bigger and bigger and bigger massively. So do we know what these threats are? Have you looked into that, what, what he's referring to when he's saying these transmedium threats are expanding exponentially? Well, I think the, the thing is with those types of like phrases, the things being worded like that, is it, it, it all depends, doesn't it, like what the motivation was behind, you know, when it was when it was written. Because that that could be interpreted to mean there is an ever increasing amount of UAP sightings that are getting more and more bold and they're coming closer and closer to ships and we're seeing them ever increasing year on year. Or it could also, depending on the motivation of who wrote it, it could also mean that, you know, China are getting better and better technology now. You know, they're getting things that can do things that we didn't think they could do, you know. And like transmedium can also mean going from space into the Earth's atmosphere. So like if, if China have managed to crack some kind of crazy drone that can go up into space and then come back down into the Earth's atmosphere mm. and things like that, technically that would be transmedium. So I don't know, there's always a danger with those kind of um, you know those slightly open-endedly worded, you know, bits of bits of language. You could interpret it a lot of different ways, couldn't you? Do you know what I mean? I suppose the question is, you know, what's what's actually yeah. behind that word and when it was actually written. But yeah, it's uh, there's a lot to sift through in there, isn't there? In the in those documents, definitely. I suppose it's worth mentioning as well that it's it is all a lot of this that's currently going through is all proposed language, and it's all. You know, there's a lot of processes and a lot of hurdles for it to get through. So none of this is actually, um, you know, guaranteed to be written into law, sort of thing, uh, at the moment. But yeah, what what do you think uh, of that that bit of wording, Ash? Have you got any thoughts of your own on that? It, I mean, like you say, it's how you interpret it, and like they are pretty famous for being vague, and so they can always then go back and be like, "Oh no, that's not what we meant." Mm. And even if it was, it's always not going to make any sort of hard black and white statements, like you say. Uh, but it's just, I mean, it's interesting because like the and sentence in full is saying that they're disappointed with the slow pace of the Department of Defence to establish the UAP office and all this. Mm. So it makes it sound like these threats are getting more real. We need to be doing something now to figure out what they are. And again, it's just going back to my, my first point of it seems to be getting faster, more things are happening. They do seem to be moving faster. So again, it just lends to that really, that you need something to be happening now, like as soon as possible, rather than dragging the, 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 the heels in the sand. They need to get on with it and start actually, instead of talking about it and writing all these reports, just get on with it, get crack on with the work and just start messing around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think that, uh, a point to add to what I was saying a minute ago as well is it doesn't really matter what these things are 
still need to get on with looking into it pretty rapid, don't we, at the end of the day. It, yeah. The bit that you're talking about there, is it the, the one that's kind of just come out today with the amendments to the S4503? Yes. I think it is, yeah, because I was reading it earlier, but I've not had a chance to, to really go through it in too much detail. But, yeah, that is really interesting, some of the wording in that, because they're basically giving him a bit of a roasting, you know, saying, look, why have you not done a bit more on all of this, you know, sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. But as I said, it's all part of the, the evolution of this, uh, you know, proposed wording, because the original thing... Uh, is still intact, but it's had a few changes made to it now, and that's I think what that was there. So still a lot of a lot of ironing out to do before it gets finalised. Yeah. I feel like last month, like the stuff came out the very day we were like literally a few hours before we were going to record. All this yeah. stuff came out, and we that chance to probably digest it again today. Yeah. This new stuff's come out, and it's like trying to digest it before yeah. talking about it. So I guess all the next couple of days, the more like people around will sort of digest a bit more. And, and it's been hot, hasn't it? You know, it's been too hot to sit with your old school like me in 300 looking at a computer at your desk. You know, <laughs> it's been too boiling. I left it for a week, you know, because I was just too hot. And yeah. it just, you know, makes you sort of get behind on things, you know, if you haven't got it all on your phone, which I will get eventually. But Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it, really? There's so much kind of cool, exciting things going on, but at the same time, it's hard to keep up with it all, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to tell them to slow down, though. I'll keep it coming, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> just just means we've got to you know pull our fingers out and make sure we keep on top of it all, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What? But yeah, I Sorry, would what... also like to just interject a little bit. Is there's so much going else going on in the world at the moment that it's always a good time to bury news? Mm-hmm. I know politicians have been slated for that before, and newspapers and stuff are putting out stories but are they rushing a lot of this through because you've got people just looking over there at ukraine russia there's potentially china's going to be going into taiwan soon um so people will be looking over to the right or left (laughs) now's a good time to say well nobody's looking up or down let's shift out all this wording let's just push it through as quick as we can um, whilst there's a bit of misdirection going on. Don't know. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes it can, it, certain things can, can work the other way as well. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, with all of the, uh, the attention on the, 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 you know, January 6th, was it the, 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 yeah. the, the sort of storming of the, the Capitol and there's hearings going on with that at the moment. So yeah. a lot of people have said that because of all the, the hoo-ha around that, they've kind of pushed back the uh, continuation of, of UFO hearings because they don't want it to kind of get, you know, mm. lost in the, in the newsfeed because all of the, the Trump stuff's going on. So yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? How current world affairs can sort of affect, you know, this, this topic. Because that's oh, what happened. Happen. Yeah, exactly. So that's what happened in April 2020 when when they first said, oh, yeah, by the way, UFOs are real. Those videos are our videos and they're real. You have, like, we don't know what they are. That was in like April 2020. Like, as COVID's at its height or the lockdowns, everything's going on around the world. It was just literally buried. Asked, again, at the time, it was like, why now? Like, say, people aren't looking, they're looking somewhere else, and that's why. It's a good time to get rid of news that you don't want people to see. Mm-hmm. There's also a little bit in this this document on one of the amendments where it says that um, they are pushing for a an historical 
review of everything that's happened since January the 1st, 1947, including efforts to recover or transfer related technologies to US state-based industry or national laboratories. So we might find out what happened at Roswell. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> think he, even if, um, you know, people think about the sort of all the Wilson memo stuff and all that kind of business. Um, I think, you know, this could like circumvent that and just find out because, you know, I, I've almost this theory of it's like a culture of lying and if it's no, it's for no good reason necessarily even, that's my own personal idea. It might not be the case, but, um, you know, sometimes it's just that government is pretty crap and slow and it doesn't work right and it just takes someone to go, oh, this is what we're doing now and everyone to go, oh, right, yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's as simple as that. So who knows? You know, you've got to be hopeful, haven't you, that we could get information that we wouldn't have expected to get, you know. And, you know, and I just think, you know, it, all of this that you're talking about reminds me as well about the point skeptics miss so often is that even if all of it was just, you know, adversary stuff, it's pretty shocking, isn't it, for them to talk about we need to know all this information. There's all this exponential rise of things flying around in the sea and so on. What? What? You don't know what's going on? I think that, you know, everybody misses that who's who just says, oh, it's black projects. You know, everyone misses that point. This is shocking if you think it's that even. Mm. Yeah, whatever it is, it's pretty concerning. And that's that's kind of what I was saying earlier. It's like they, they need to, you know, get their acting gear and, and figure yeah. out why these things are, you know, swarming around some of the, the best equipment that the US military's got. You know, it's uh, whatever it is. Get your acting gear and figure it out, kind of yeah. thing. At least look like you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Go on, Greg. I think I think it also um, when we spoke last time, and uh, there was all that information come out when we recorded last time, and we we discussed the fact that it kind of put a line in the sand that anything before two thousand and four was never going to be discussed they didn't have to discuss it and that this congressional hearings was focusing really on everything from then on that bit that we just talked about from the 1st of January 947 somebody clearly wants to know that so they put that amendment in so I think it will force them now to reveal everything they've known that they're prepared to share before 2004 because at that point when we discussed it last time we thought well that's it they can just say 2004 and before never happened really it was what it was so hopefully now we might might get some juicy stuff from that yeah definitely i think it's a a kind of a continuation isn't it of like the the members of of congress who were in that subcommittee at the hearing they were they weren't taking the 2004 onwards thing you know, for an answer, they wanted. They were like, "No, no, no, hang on a minute. What about this one? And what about this one?" And it's that's right, I think, because there is a strong public interest in those cases. You know, it seems a bit ridiculous to to sort of try and get to the bottom of this mystery, but not check out some of those really important cases. And another thing about that in that wording that was that sort of stuck in my head was um, they have to actually report as part of that process on what intelligence agencies may have done in terms of misinformation so like if there's been an effort by let's say the cia to actually put out false information to the public to create stigmas and things like that they actually want to know as part of that report you know whether or not that's taken place because i mean if you're trying to get to the bottom of a mystery one of the first things you're going to have to do is figure out hang on a minute have we been putting out false information because we need to know that to try and 
filter off what's real information and what we've deliberately mm-hmm. put out as false information. And that, that could be pretty huge as well. Because if, if again, if it becomes part of the actual unclassified section of that, it's going to make things a lot easier to filter off the wheat from the chaff, isn't it, as a member of the public? But, yeah, it's all, all interesting. We'll see how it all progresses, eh? But mm-hmm. do you guys think there's a, a bit of a danger that these kind of UFO offices and groups that are being set up saying all the right things, you know, promising transparency, do you think there's a danger that they're just going through the motions and there's a, there's a plan to do a bit of a blue book 2.0? So, you know, the end of the day, they'll say, well, we looked at it all, we found nothing. It was just drones and, and swamp gas, never mind. And then they'll, they'll, you know, slam the book shut for another 50 years. What do you guys think of that? Maybe start with you, Thunderbird. You look like you've got Ooh. something to say. Uh, I was just thinking, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking about Condine, so... You know, that was quite quick to jump to a weird explanation, you know, or an easy explanation. So, you know, they haven't done that, have they? They've kind of gone, we don't know. So that I feel like they don't know. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I'd be quite surprised. You know, I'm hoping like people say, you know, the cat is out of the bag now and it's it's too far out to sort of get that shoved back into that bag. Um, you know, so I hope that's the case. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to tell, isn't it? You can't tell anymore. That's the problem. You know, there's been mm. cases where we now know they certainly have lied with all the Susan Goff Black Vault stuff. So we know that now. So it makes it so hard when you see anything to think, you know, all right, great, I'll take you at face value. But then you have to kind of think that as well sometimes. It's so easy to think everything's a lie. Sometimes you just got to take things as they are, you know, and wait to know any different, really. So I suppose that's where I sit. Yeah, I think I think this time, like some of the things, was it Senator Gallagher? Yeah, was quite um, pressing with the questions, and he seems to have quite a bit of knowledge and was quite passionate about it. I think just a few of him, or like some of the senators like him within Congress that are going to keep pushing it, and I don't think they'll be able to just wash over it. They're going to have pressure from them, and then obviously the UFO community. They know the sort of the people that are involved now, and they, they and with social media and stuff now, you can get in touch with them quite easy. The pressure is going to keep coming from just members mm-hmm. of the public, that they can't ignore either. I mean, they can, but they're going to have to pressure from inside the government and from outside the government to not just do a, a blue book and just wash over it. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Any thoughts to add, Greg? Yeah, um, mirroring everybody there. I think the fact is that we're in. An environment now that we've got information at our disposal everybody who's interested in the subject can connect instantly so if anybody smells a bit of uh, a lie being told or a little bit of a brush over something like that i think there are people publicly and people like on podcasts like ourselves uh, on the internet that can quickly verify facts or call out people and there's people although he's quite divisive i suppose like jeremy corbell for example he's high profile enough to put videos out those kind of things and have high profile conversations with people that i don't think they can get away with like a a project blue book or just saying it was this or was this i don't think you're able to nowadays today's world is completely different to when they they were discussing those things back back when you got your news 
from the radio, you got your news from newspapers. And if those media giants are told what to say, because we know that the government will tell papers what to say or tell press what to say, I think back then there was no independent way of verifying what was being said. Now there is. You can fact check, you can go on websites and they tell you whether or not it was fact. So I think it's going to be a lot harder for government agencies to get away with palming it off as swamp gas or weather balloons or own technology. And I just wanted to touch on something that you said, Frank, about um, China and drones. The problem I have with those um, explanations at the moment, especially if, if people say Russia have got that kind of technology as well, I think that the problem comes is that they're at war at the moment, Russia, and if they had technology like that, they would wipe, wipe the floor with Ukraine. And I can't see why you wouldn't use something like that when you're losing tens of thousands of troops and you're recruiting prisoners to fight on the front line, which is allegedly what's happening, um, why you wouldn't use the technology that you people think you might have or you claim you've got? Why wouldn't you use that in a, in a war environment? Because that's why you've developed it. I think you're right, Greg, there, because it, it just like makes no sense to spend yeah, the dollars or whatever, you know, on developing these projects, maybe for decades. Yeah, some projects have taken a couple of decades to work on and bring out. But if something works so well, you don't just, you know, not bring it out, do you? You make money off it because greed seems to power the world. And I just, that's why I can't, I don't get that whole thing of black projects. I've kept it secret. What are they doing with it? You know, are, they, are people saying they have maybe a hundred prototypes of something, but what, they're not bringing it out and selling it to another country to make money? It just, it just doesn't yeah. stack up with what we do. And yeah, agree, and th yeah. That's, that's why foreign adversary for the Tic Tac or any kind of UAP just seems mm -hmm. almost nonsense from my point of view because like we just said why wouldn't you be using it or selling it there's yeah. there's a black market out there that people yeah. would take it russia would buy it off you i'm yeah. sure and if they've bought it or developed it why are they not using it yeah it's it's insane it's yeah. insane they, putin for example not to politicize this podcast but <laughs> Just to reinforce that point, if he had that kind of technology now, and he's friends with China, if they had that technology, they would run the world. Yeah, They would, because they could threaten you and you can do nothing about it. So, and he's the kind of person who would lead with anger and aggression. They wouldn't just sit back. Yeah. So. Yeah, foreign adversary doesn't cut it, or drone for me. I just think it's either our own technology or something else. Yeah, I think it's as time goes on, especially like you say, Russia can be pretty much ruled out of having any kind of, you know, super yeah. weapon or, or, you know, some kind of cracked, some sort of super tech or energy device. And, you know, clearly don't have anything like that. They've been rolling out sort of like. 1970s you know equipment to try and you know and it, it ain't it ain't you know working is it really for him at the moment so it's not looking likely that it's russia and, and china i don't think is is uh obviously pretty advanced especially compared to what they were but i mean the the 
I don't think, personally, I don't think they'd be capable of either. How do you think the drones thing plays into it then? Like the the wording that's, that's being used, you know, about drones and things like that. Do you think it's just a case of anything that's anomalous, they don't know what it is, they refer to as a drone? Do you think there's a little bit perhaps of a, you know, we need to look into adversarial drones because that's the kind of language that is understood, you know, in, in terms of like legal requirements. Like, oh, there may be a threat from adversarial drones, so we need $100 million to, to figure this out sort of thing. And maybe that's the only way they can get the funding. What do you guys reckon about how the, the drone thing actually plays into all this? I quite, I could go more towards drone than adversarial technology. Because drone technology, where, when you say drone, people automatically think the quadcopters, but they only fly for about half an hour. I used to fly them commercially, and you, you're looking 20 minutes, half an hour max. Whereas if you talk about drones, like the military drones, they will fly continuously. So they, they could reach like the Nimitz or wherever. They could get that far. And that's more likely for me, personally. You can have a light on it. Um, that's more of an explanation that I would accept than Russian ten, Russian advanced tech. I, I think that's me. Anything to add? Thinks, but, um... Yeah, I was going to ask. Ask yeah. one. What yeah, you go think, on, Ash, mate. Don't let us chat over you. Over you. No, no. I, I, <laughs> again with, with Greg. When you, when you say drone, obviously you think of like a little like one you can buy for. Three, four, four hundred quid. Obviously, that's not what they're referring to. It's more the unmanned military devices that they have that can just fly and they can use them to like, attack rather than using humans in the planes or whatever. Uh, but I mean, again, I think it is just a word, and like you said, Frank, it's just they're using that word because they've probably not got another word to use apart from UAP. It would be like we can either say UAP or we can say drone. And again, like I said, whether it's to request more funding or just to make it easier when you're writing reports, so you don't want to step, as a lot of people won't want to make that step over to talking about UAP. So they would just, when they're writing their reports or whatever, they'll just be drone. There's these drones near, near, the, near the fleet. It wasn't UAP. It's just, I think it is just wording on a technicality rather than anything else. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like it's if if you're going to go to somebody and request funding for a project to look into something, whatever, and and you know that they're not particularly open to considering the possibility of like anomalous objects or whatever, mm-hmm. you might say, you know, oh, we need this funding because we've got a strong inkling that these weird things that we keep seeing are Chinese super drones, you know. So maybe there's an element of that in there. Um, yeah, the thing about the thing about drones as well is that like these things that are being witnessed could, you know, I suppose could be some potential super advanced drone. But the thing is, is where are they being launched from, if that's the case? You know, because a lot of the times, I think with the the Jeremy Corbell Green Triangle um, case that was actually kind of, again, touched on at, at the hearing, you know, there was analysis done of all the ships in the area and there actually wouldn't have been a ship within range to actually be able to launch those drones from. So, Wasn't it 100 miles away, that Chinese cargo? Was that that one? Exactly, yeah. That. Yeah, 100 miles away. And hadn't they said it was quadcopters, like commercial quadcopters? That's right. And that didn't quite tally, was that right? Yeah, uh, yeah that's the one. 
So it's a yeah, it's a it's a bit of a bit of a strange one, isn't it? And uh, you know, there's I saw somebody who was selling a t-shirt with their, uh, you know, drone drones of the new swamp gas or or whatever. So there's there's always that as well that you know, anybody That's who is good. trying to anyone who is trying to keep this hush hush that it's the, it's the D word, isn't it, that they might use. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyone got anything to add on on that before we move on? I was just going to say I think you're right with the the terminology. If you imagine like those deck logs, you see a lot. You know, a lot of the skeptics will say, well, look, it's drones, it's drones. But that's probably what they're used to putting when they see something in the sky that appears like that. Like Ash mentioned, you know, I think maybe that'll change to them putting UAP or something. But I can I can well understand that they might call things drones, that they're talking about things flying in the sky where they don't know what the hell it is. So, yeah, mm. I think that's fair, isn't it? Yeah, and, and there's, um, I forget now, is it the... Um... Is it the gimbal or the go fast? One of those two videos. The the guy actually says that's a drone, bro, or something like that. It, it, you know, and then it's like an instinctive reaction, yeah. and and certain people have jumped on that as like, oh, well, the first thing they thought was that it's a drone. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you see something that's clearly not moving, like a bird or something like that, maybe your first instinctive reaction might be it's a drone because yeah. you're not going to shout out. It's a spaceship, bro. You know what no, I mean? Because then exactly. you really that's are going to get ridiculed, aren't yeah. you? Like the the stigma does live on, sort of that's thing. It. So that's not where your brain goes first, is it? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens, though, isn't it? You hear it a lot when people see anything anomalous. They cycle through all yeah. of the prosaic explanations that's in the right. head first. Yeah. yeah, you don't instantly go, "Oh, there we go. Look, there's the aliens or something like that." You you think, "Ah, oh, is it mm-hmm. a plane? Could it be this? Could it be a drone?" And then eventually you've exhausted those options and you realize it's something really unusual. So perhaps yeah. that's what the pilot was doing there, you know, but yeah, I was going to ask you guys as well. Do you think we're likely to see a bit of a knock on effect here in the UK? Cause obviously the, the main, you know, messaging from the, the UK MOD going all the way back to, you know, the Condine report and whatnot is, has basically been to say that there's no doubt there's something to this, but it's not a threat to national security, so we're just not looking into it. You know, mm-hmm. obviously our, our closest ally, the United States, have been admitted now over and over again for the last few years that this probably does have some national security implications and even potentially like uh, flight safety concerns for commercial flights. So, how long do you think the UK MOD can keep up that kind of that facade when it's being contradicted by our closest ally? perhaps uh, get you in this one greg if you like um yeah i think we'll do what we do best not say anything at all um we've got too much going on i think of our own problems that they'll bring that up in public i mean i i i can't see that we'd ever be as open as the us they'll just we'll just go you know what just let them get on with it we'll just keep our no defence significance type front up until such time that we can't stop lying about it, for example. You look, you've got people saying that they never went to parties during lockdown yeah. and you can get away with that lie when there's photographs. So it's a good point. Ha- yeah, so no, I think no, no. <laughs> th- that's it, exactly. I think the British way is that we'll just deny it. <laughs> simple as that i can't see i think if you if we were to come out and say it now i think we they would probably undo a lot of work that they've done just to sort of stonewall everything i think you by saying nothing you can't be misinterpreted you can't do anything wrong 
if you don't say anything at all. There's a song in there somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> I was going to, I nearly chipped in with one and I thought about copyright for Frank then. So <laughs> yeah, we don't want to get the episode pulled no. down off Spotify for a copyright claim. <laughs> so, what do so you yeah, that, that's my thoughts anyway, yeah. What are you saying, Ash? You got any thoughts to add? So, I mean, I, I must be on some sort of a list with the amount of FOIs I do and some of the questions that I put in because I, I have responses and I'm thinking, when I reread what I put in the request, I'm like, oh, crap, like, there's some stuff there. I was like, talk about terrorist documents and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, my God. Maybe I should, <laughs> have, with, I should have worded that maybe a little bit differently and I'm looking at some of these. Because um, I've just been going deeper and deeper with responses, getting different responses from different departments and different people. But it's just, it always comes back to the same thing. And I got a response actually last week from one, and it's he sounded very frustrated. This The Air Command sector, whoever was doing the replies that day, <laughs> he came across very frustrated in his reply to me. And he was saying, like, we basically we don't have time for anything else because we are fed up doing all these UAP freedom of information responses, and that's where all our time is being spent. <laughs> so that's basically what he said in this reply to me. That's amazing. Uh, it's because they don't have the resources to do anything else because of the amount of sort of, they call it like, not nonsense, but they say like, it's not our, we don't have any information. Mm. Stop sending us FOIs. Obviously, <laughs> we're not, we're not going to stop. Um, so, so that's just made me laugh. He, he came, he, I, I, I try and look at it now quickly to try and find the actual word that he put, but he, he did come across very frustrated. Um, in in this in this and it's, it's a very different and more lengthy one than I've had previously, and I was, I was just laughing to myself. And I was reading. Really must have caught him on a bad day. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, it's like two pages of him sounding. Yeah. <laughs> like, not, not having a goal, but kind of like having a goal. Like, like come on, um, understand my position. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but in, in general, um, I think. I mean, I it's not going to be anytime soon. I think, like Greg said, the. Our government at the minute's all a bit up in the air. I know a lot of this is sort of doesn't matter who's sort of the actual government is, it's all behind the scenes stuff with intelligence agencies and stuff like this. But it's I think until I think until the US sort of kind of say, This is what we're doing, we've got all this in place, we now want our allies to sort of follow the same sort of see obviously they're based over here, we have military over there and other European countries, and obviously. They may say stuff. They may say stuff in the UK that they're going to be reporting to the US, and it's when that information starts getting shared. I think it would take sort of that to be in place, actually happening before they say we now need some procedure that your staff can report on, so that we're sharing. So that you can share information with us. Otherwise, that information may, might not be getting reported. It could be a UK pilot like in South America that sees something that the US would want to know. But he hasn't got any official sort of place to report it, so they're missing that information. So it may come down to that sort of situation before they say, like US is putting pressure on our government, saying get get you get you acting gear, let's start mm. working together. But I don't think it'll be anytime soon. Mm. What do you reckon, Thunderbird? Anything to add on the uh, the UK side of things there? Um, I- I saw a girl who had been putting in some, she'd been writing to the MOD and she'd got some responses back on UFO Twitter and I can't remember her name, but I thought, go girl, she's British and, you know, obviously writing to the MOD. But I just thought, yeah, what I'd really like to write to them and hammer them about is this explanation in the Condi report. I know it's like the old report and you could say, well, that was nonsense or whatever. I think a lot of the report itself was really good and 
probably you know stacks up and I'd, I'd like to just say right so you think it was like some sort of un, un understood weather phenomena what did you do with that who is studying it what do meteorologists say now this is like so many years later where are we at with the plasma stuff you know so I'd mm. like to like really push them on it knowing full well it's not all that clearly you know maybe that is some of it you know I don't know but I'd just like to know well if you were you know putting your cards on the table and saying this is what we think it is whether it was or wasn't what have you done about that then and and is it a flight safety risk because then why didn't the states allude to that and look into that are you helping them with this plasma stuff so I'd, mm. I'd just like to put them on the spot but that's me being a bit negative really so it's not really moving it forward but no it's fair enough put them on the spot all day i mean i, I did a request recently actually which was um I, th- I can't remember if i spoke to you about this ash yeah. uh, it was about um it was to the mod just in general and uh, it was about three specific terms. Uh, it was ATIP, ORSAP, and plasma. Cool. And uh, the plasma one, they said, basically, the plasma is such a broad term that uh, it would take over uh, 600 hours, I think it is, or something, um, to, to look into it. And we've not got the capabilities to do that. It falls outside of right. what is expected of a FOIA request. So apparently the term plasma itself is... Um, is is too broad for them to to look into it. So I was thinking that the follow up to that that's very recently come back. So the follow up to that is going to be specific types of plasma, yeah, some complex, s- dusty, or exactly. That. I, just, I yeah. thought straight away, but you said dusty plasma. That's getting that's had been another fire request yeah, in the future. Stick it in. Buoyant, um, on it. Um, exactly. They're, they're going to be the next search terms. Yeah. But um, yeah. the the ATIP and RSAP one, they basically um, said uh, we need an extension on the time limit because we need to decide whether or not to confirm or deny any documents that relate to ATIP or RSAP. And then they came back down the line and said, actually, we've decided that we're going to deny anything to do with ATIP and RSAP. So it's not saying they don't have anything to do with ATIP or RSAP because they must do because one yeah. of the things that ATIP did in particular was to actually reach out and you know the uap task force and whatnot all Mm. the wording is the same they have to part of what they're required to do is to collaborate with allies and we're the closest ally so it stands to reason that we would have done that even if it's just an email to the mod whatever the relevant department would be saying by the way you know we're doing this stuff here in the states you know anything you guys want to mention you know there must be at least an email but they've decided that they're gonna yeah deny all knowledge of I just guess it's back channels, all that, you know, it's just under mm. the radar and it does happen. Yeah, I reckon so. Probably been going on for some time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anything uh, to add, Ash, on that? Yeah, just what you're saying about when they talk about the public interest tests, I've had that quite a few times in the response mm. that they have to weigh it up. And so I've gone like, I responded to them with, well, what does that test consist of? Who is responsible for doing that testing? what are the positives or arguments for or against disclosure or mm. providing this information? What are the ranks of the people involved doing this? Who has the overall like, say in whether this information gets released? So sort of gone down that hole separately to find out who's actually making these decisions. Again, you just get stonewalled. Um, and base, basically, it's public servants that are basically saying we don't have the time to... And the public interest isn't strong enough to... Um, justify using all these man hours to actually go through all the information, make sure all the personal information has been took out, and then that is then suitable for release. Yeah, I think that is what it's coming down to at the end of the day. Mm. Is them? It, it means I understand it is will be lengthy processes, 
and they have to obviously make sure there's nothing in there that is any sort of potential security risk that they're releasing. And yeah, it's just <laughs> it's a it's a it's a long battle. I suppose it's over time if there's a way to, you know, there'll come a tipping point where it's pretty clear that the public interest does warrant them spending the time on that. But I don't think they're, you know, they're going to come around to that way of thinking anytime soon, are they? But it's amazed me since doing these. I mean, I've been doing these now for like, what, you know, six months or something. I've not been at it that long. Um, But it's amazed me the differences with some of the departments. Because, I mean, some of them literally just get back to you and say, you know, the, the blanket paragraph of, you may be interested to know that the MOD doesn't have an opinion on extraterrestrial, whatever that paragraph is. Really weird, but, isn't it? Yeah, some of them literally just get that. You don't even get them addressing the specific search terms or anything. It's just mm-hmm. that. And then other ones, it's like I got one back from uh, somebody at the hydrographic office, which was absolutely amazing. It was like a whole essay that I got back with, like, paragraphs and paragraphs for each point and they even went the extra mile and said, this wasn't actually part of your uh, request, but you might be interested to know about this database and this database. So there's somebody mm. at the hydrographic office. I don't suppose they'll be listening, but if they are, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Wow. Yeah, there's definitely different departments that you sort of don't realise is kind of involved, like the Department of Energy is where I've been spending quite a bit of time. Because they oversee obviously all the nuclear stuff, they oversee the Space Force, like the UK Space Agency. And it's then where I kind of reread like some of my questions, <laughs> requests I was putting in. I was asking like response plans for incursions into m- nuclear facilities Brilliant. and stuff. And, like we, they're like we cannot release information, uh, getting the wrong hands or yeah. something. Like that. Yeah, maybe not gonna give no. me the response plans if there was any unknown. Uh, but again, they can say that. Thing. You know, I think sometimes it is just them. You know, people being able to ask that and them saying, look, obviously we can't tell you what that plan is because that would be an issue and that mm. would mean there's no point in having that plan. But we can tell you there is one and we have thought about it. And I think this is their issue, you know, with all the classified stuff, even in the States, you know, they could say, look, we know this, this and this, but we can't tell you all the details because of this, you know, and explain it. And I think a lot of people yeah. would feel that they would be satisfied with that and they wouldn't then ask as much. And I think... This is where it all falls down. And, you know, you can't even get the condom report in hard copy, can you? So, you know, things like that. I think if they could just provide a bit more to people, they would they would spend less time doing all these FOIA, you know, responses. And, you know, and people would be a little bit more satisfied then. Yeah. Just a little bit more info, you know, don't be as weird about everything. And <laughs> Yeah, especially with nuclear stuff, it's always do we cannot yeah. confirm nor deny. Yeah, like, We don't say if we did or didn't have that because it's that's the it. nuclear stuff. Yeah. But yeah. it's all part of the plan as well that just make it so frustrating for people. Yeah. That hopefully you go away. Yeah. Um, I've got a fencing contractor friend who does nuclear power stations. If you need any info, that might be something that he could uh, give you a little bit of info on. Just, you know, I get to hear snippets of things. And um, I've got a mate that was a PMC or something, and, and he's like some sort of police you know for nuclear power power plants or something so sometimes you can get like contacts where you can find out yourself Mm. in a way can't you and probably easier (laughs) yeah sounds interesting but no there's there's definitely uh, a lot to that that you're saying because a bit a bit of openness and a bit of a bit of transparency Mm. you know goes a long way and then it would definitely kind of you know, give a bit of reassurance to the public that they are taking it seriously and they're engaging with the public and they're not just ridiculing it and stuff like that. Yeah. And also to what you were saying, Greg, there's the the thing of if they were trying to keep something 
hush. You know, they would just do that, wouldn't they? Frustrate the process. And, you know, like uh, John Greenwald, for example, you know, out in the States, you know, has, has had a, a few occasions where he's he's done a request for a, a document relating to a certain term and he's actually already got the document and they've denied that they've got it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what is that? Is that incompetence or are they deliberately withholding stuff? You know what I mean? It's, it's difficult to say. And there's other times when he's he's had to, he's done a request, had it denied and then appealed it and appealed it again. And then eventually he's got a document. So it's like, it does, things like that do make you question, like what is the mode? Is it just incompetence? Is, is there a cover up there? You know, is it just confusion? complex isn't it at the end probably of the day. everything yeah. isn't it i guess you know some well, one yeah. staff person being rubbish one being lazy one being on it you know simple as that sometimes isn't it i guess yeah could well be but yeah or a directive uh, from susan goff that changes well that's it yeah but anyway moving on because we've talked about that for a bit longer than planned but it was uh i thought we'd uh I'll keep it going because it was interesting. Um, mm. Another thing I wanted to touch on, I don't know if you guys are, are aware of this one, but the uh, the Galileo project, a um, bit of a different scenario to the, the government disclosure angle that we've just been talking about because this is a completely civilian organisation led by uh, Avi Loeb, who is a theoretical physicist who works on astrophysics and cosmology. And uh, he is the Frank B. Baird Jr. Professor of Science at Harvard University. And uh, with the Galileo Project, as I'm sure many of you guys know, but I'm just kind of filling in the details here uh, for, the, for the listeners, he, he secured millions of dollars in funding to set up his own observatories and sensor systems so they don't have to rely on government secret sensor data. And therefore, they can basically avoid having to look at any classified data altogether. And because of this, they're able to commit to releasing all the findings in a completely transparent way. And we've just come to the end of the first year of the Galileo project. And Avi Loeb did a first year summary article. And I went through that in a bit of detail on the podcast. Uh, But just to summarize their three main areas of focus, it's uh, number one, constructing some uh, new telescope setups to actually be able to figure out the nature of what UAP actually are. Number two, designing a space mission that will identify the nature of interstellar objects that don't resemble comets or asteroids like Oumuamua. And number three, coordinating expeditions to study the nature of interstellar meteors that actually impact on the Earth. I mean, it's pretty amazing, really. I mean, he's talking about setting up really good, you know, telescopes and, and sensor systems to be able to figure out if there's anything whizzing around in the atmosphere. Talking about actually designing a space mission to go out to a distant object and be able to potentially land a probe on it. And also trying to figure out, like, if any of these things have landed in the sea to go and actually get the object and do analysis on it. Um, so I'm, as you can tell, a bit of a fan of the Galileo Project. Um, but what do you guys reckon of the Galileo Project in general? Do you think it's an area that we're likely to see some answers to this UFO mystery? And uh, start with you, Ash, maybe? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I like Harry Loeb. I like the whole project. I like the idea behind it. I mean, obviously, it's going to be it's going to be a, it's a slow process uh, getting these like locations in place, and then I think is it five years going to be observing the data that it's collecting, and then make it available for peer to peer study. So it is obviously we're not going to see anything soon. So I mean, which is obviously part of it, making sure it's good stuff that they are getting. And like I said, I do like Avilo. I'm not a detractor, um, but I 
I don't know. It's not. I mean, it sounds good all the stuff that they're doing, and it is. And I do hope they are successful and they're able to find stuff. It'd be amazing. And obviously, that part of me always like wants that to happen. But I just, I think, I don't know. I just don't hold much, much hope personally for it. And it's not something I follow too much. I have read, listened to the podcast he's done, and looked at some of his work. But he, I mean, it's obviously he's he's a believer. Um, in in the sense in the sense of when we when what we call a believer, um, and yeah, I mean, Maze Night has got the funding to do it, and it's obviously run under the Harvard University banner as well, which gives it a lot of obviously like, reputation and a lot of respect. Obviously, one of the top universities in the world. But I'm just, I'm not going to say I'm not a fan, but I'm just not really. I don't think I just not have much positivity. Around it, that's my sort of opinion. I don't know why. <laughs> fair, fair enough. I mean, one thing that is not not a concern because I say I'm a big fan of, of keeping an eye on that that particular project personally, but it's very ambitious. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, he's currently got a couple of million of dollars in funding, which is amazing. Like, you know, that's a lot, really. But he's talking about to be able to really fulfil. You know the, the 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 potential of what it can do. He needs hundreds of millions of dollars in funding, and it, it does seem. I mean, the, I like the ambition, and I hope he can do it. But it does seem, you know, a, a bit of a stretch to imagine getting hundreds of millions to to do that sort of thing and, and sending again those things I listed there. Those three goals, amazing. But I mean, that's got to be even more than hundreds of million, hasn't it? To send out a probe to you know distant objects flying past and things like that. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, the, the telescope thing, I think, is already up on the, the roof of the Harvard University, so that that might be interesting to see what they come up with. But um, what do you reckon, Thunderbird? Um, I, I just can't help but think of Fringe, the TV show, because that was based at Harvard, wasn't it? And I just think of Walter, the scientist, and that's that's Avi Loeb in my mind now, so that's awesome. <laughs> love it. Um, I just, yeah, I really like Avi Loeb. I love his, like, simplicity and positivity and... You know, I've come full circle on him because when I first sort of heard of him about the Amuamua stuff years back, I was like, come on. And then, yeah, now I just love the fact he's like, we will just look with a telescope. You know, it's just (laughs) amazing. We always say that in my house. You know, we just say it as a phrase because, you know, it's just, yeah, we'll just have a look. Brilliant. You know, that's what this needs, isn't it? So, yeah, I'm kind of hopeful from that point of view. But, yeah he'll probably have a lot of problems like a lot of people have had with lots of sensors and the kind of weirdness of the data and things. But I think what better person to start on this and open it up. I also think on the budgets, I've managed sort of million pound budgets before and it's surprising, you know, if you have a team of staff, 10 staff even with on costs and NI and all that and then equipment that he's going to have, that is going to get eaten up straight away. It sounds like a lot, but I think, yeah, when he was talking about needing 10 million for a tiny project or whatever, I I get that. You know, I think he's going to need loads, isn't he? But just making a start, just try something and show it can be done with the equipment we already have. It's not, you know, it's not something we can't do, just start. So really positive. Yeah, and I really look forward to seeing what he brings out. But I missed that year review thing, I think. So I'll have to catch up on that. Yeah, it's definitely um, worth a read through. It's on his, uh, Avi Loeb's got a medium, that's what they call it, isn't it? Medium uh, yeah. page where it's like a right. blog and it, he's quite prolific actually. He does, like every week he's got an article coming out about various different bits and bobs, but this one's a really long read. Um, I, I actually went through it, I did a, an episode on the podcast um, like this morning 
uh, where I sort of went through it in loads of detail. Um, so that'll be out soon. And obviously, listeners can check out the Abbey Lobe Medium page as well. Definitely worth following that. Um, so how about you, Greg? Any thoughts on the Galileo project? Um, not really any different to, to what Ash and Thunderbird have said. I mean, when you start looking at trying to do a space venture and a launch-ready space mission, you can't just launch a rocket to space. You can't just put things up in space. You do have to go through governments to allow you to go through airspace. So I think some of that is probably a little bit of a stretch without, if you're going to continually be private. So you've got SpaceX, they've had to work with NASA. They have to, you have to get government approval to launch a space rocket. You can't just fling stuff up into space. So as much as people do try, um, it will always be picked up by a government somewhere. So I think that the Earth-based stuff, cameras, um, sensors, telescopes, absolutely, that's great. Just point them at the sky and see what you can find. But I think when you you start putting probes out there, I think that's when you... You could get the funding from private companies, but those private companies are probably backed by some government agency who will either allow you to go to space or interject and not allow it to go to space. Whether that be by permission or malfunction is another matter. But, yeah, I th- I think it's it's a great set of three goals for definite, very aspirational very visionary but i think practicalities like you say thunderbird a few million gets sucked up and Mm -hmm. spat out quite quickly when you get payroll and and technology Mm -hmm. so it is it's a definitely a nice project to have and something that privateers can put get behind i suppose and and like the thought that there's going to be no government intervention when ultimately I think they'll be the ones pulling strings for the money. So who knows? Yes. It's, yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, that that is definitely the most ambitious out of the goals, isn't it? To send yeah. uh, a probe to an actual object. And you pretty much kind of do have to have at least cooperation from a government to even be able to approach that, don't you? And a vast amount of money. But yeah, the, the telescope observatory setup thing is is going to be interesting, and they've pretty much already got that up and running. Um, the the other one was the the object was determined because of the trajectory and the speed of it and whatnot. This object that plunged into the ocean, um, I think it was near Papua New Guinea, if I remember rightly. Anyway, wherever it was, and they were actually planning an expedition to fish this object out of the ocean as well, like to troll the area where they think it landed with, I think you said with magnets, or they've got like a procedure. Of, way of doing it anyway and um i think the idea is to monitor for more of those kind of like interstellar objects and you know go and pick them up like quicker like have a bit of a rapid response team to go and get them it's a cool thought isn't it i mean imagine if he actually does fish something out of the ocean and it turns out to be a hunk of like some equipment from somewhere else out there in the universe it would be pretty well it obviously be pretty mind-blowing wouldn't it if that ever did happen but um i do did want to add just on that um that when you look at telescopes and that kind of technology, telescopes of all kinds are based on a simple process of like mirrors and lenses, regardless of 
how big they are, even the James Webb telescope that is based on mirrors and lenses. They're all based on mirrors and lenses going back hundreds of years. So it's the kind of technology that with a load of money, you can make decent ones. But people and amateur astronomers are always making significant um, scientific finds from back gardens. So mm-hmm. that is a great place to start, is with a telescope pointing at the sky. I've got a telescope that I take photographs of comets and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, and this a tiny telescope in the grand scheme of things. Um, so, yes, I think that is probably the more likely to find something out there. Mm. Yeah, there's another thing that I found really interesting I wanted to touch on um, about that from that particular article as well. Uh, and, and Avi actually refers to a calculation of how likely uh, a non-human intelligence would be at a similar level of development to humans. And I've, I've wondered about this before quite a bit, like, because there's obviously the Drake equation of like, you know, how likely is that there would be life out there and all the rest of it. But this is, you know, how likely it would be that if there is some kind of non-human intelligence out there, how likely it would be at a similar level of development to us. And at it turns out, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause it may have been, you know, millions of billions of years ago, or whatever, but at, at the same time as where we are now. And it turns out that probability is around one in a hundred million. So that's basically suggests that it's most likely that a non-human intelligence, if, you know, if there is one out there or multiple, that it would be either way more advanced, you know, or way less advanced than we currently are at this point in time. And it does make you think like if they are that advanced, like a million years more advanced than what we are right now, what chance do we really have of, of understanding, you know, a non-human intelligence or the technology or, you know, more to the point, I suppose, what chance have we got of capturing them on Avi Loeb's telescope? If they're that advanced, surely they'd be able to just, you know, avoid getting caught on a, on a telescope or a sensor system or something like that, you know. Do we do we have a, a chance of figuring this out if that really is the case, you know, because it's pretty unlikely that it's going to be that one in 100 million and that they're a similar level to us. So what do you guys reckon? Well, just going back to the telescope and finding life, and the Drake equation is a great one. Um, going back to James Webb Telescope, the, the pictures that they were just talking about and released, they said it was like looking at a grain of sand on an outstretched on your finger outstretched. That's the area of the sky that they've looked at in some of these first initial pictures. So, if you're this tiny speck looking at the whole sky how we ever we might have seen it and where we've just moved the telescope a millimeter for example that's like hundreds of millions of miles when you're looking that far away so i don't think we've got any hope unless they come close to us i don't see we've got any hope of finding anything personally yeah i agree it's just like i say space is that vast and the conditions for life i think have to be that sort of the sort of the perfect mix, perfect storm of different things actually for life to develop in the first place. That to develop in some distant galaxy and that we actually look at it at the same time that it's actually developing and they're actually still existing on that planet. It's just, I think, I must be far, 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 must be 100 million 
to a degree of 100 million sort of odds to be able to get that sort of exact sort of mm-hmm. must like say we've probably seen something that if, if it is out there probably already looked at it not had the technology to detect it and moved on that's also the, the images we're seeing are billions of years old so by the time we see it it's been gone and extinct so the only hope we've got is near earth telescopes really for any chance of finding a a decent life form i suppose or intelligent life form uh, I, I kind of think of it um also when i'm feeling a bit like that about it like oh you know it's probably too hard to find out there might not be any much you know i just try and think let's not think too sort of earthly about it maybe you know if it's in a different dimension we don't have to think about the distances and all those kind of mm. things. Maybe if they want to communicate with us, it'll all be out of our hands. And, you know, let's not maybe use our own frames of reference like carbon. Maybe it's not carbon based. Maybe it's just a light entity, you know, or something. So I just think, you know, maybe if we keep our minds open, could be that there is scope for something in a way we haven't really thought of because we just can't conceive of it, maybe. That's my hope in a way, and that it'll ultimately dictate what happens. Definitely. Yeah, don't anything to add on that, uh, Ash? Yeah, it just, I mean, my, my belief is that we, we do get visited. So if we'd say the odds of this astronomical that we're going to find life, that's I think that's us finding life on a planet, whereas mm-hmm. I think we are being visited, and that's them calling the shots. They have the technology, they can, wherever they're coming from. We are being visited one way or another, and that's it's them that are making themselves visible to us, not us finding them. Yeah, that's it. I mean, if if they were that advanced, you know, it's the old um, you know quote, isn't it, that if you anything was sufficiently advanced, it'd be mm-hmm. indistinguishable from magic. And like you know, if if you're talking about our technology in another fifty years, that's probably going to be absolutely mind blowing compared to what we've got now. Just like when I was a kid like I was playing on a Sega Master System and now there's a PS5, you know, I would have never believed mm-hmm. something could be that good and that's only in like a few decades. Mate, I've you know, gone from Atari to VR. You know, <laughs> it's like exactly. quite a distance, you know. It's, it's I, pretty I crazy. Had, just uh, on that note, I had I done <laughs> um, business studies at GCSE mm-hmm. when GCSEs first come out. Yeah. And we had some guy from the music industry, local to where I was, um, in Abingdon at the time, and he said to me, or said to the class, he said, what you guys don't know is that within a couple of decades, music will be on a device that big and mm-hmm. all your music collection. And everybody was like, whoa. <laughs> I come back from that, it's like, you never guess what this guy said. And they're all going, that's rubbish, that's rubbish. Yeah. And look, within, that was 1990. Three, and um, within sort of ten years, you've got the iPhone and everything's on your iPhone. So he he was bang on, and it's short space of time, everything can change. It's mad, and I think you forget, you know, as you kind of like go through life, and the older you get, you sort of sometimes you look back and you think, oh yeah, I've got this new washing machine or whatever that's replacing the five years ago one but it's better you know things do incrementally get better and better and you forget you're not just replacing things with the same things even just basic appliances and you know sometimes you forget you know and you think oh yeah god things have really come on and they do they move quite fast and yeah look at the music industry in general with the itunes and stuff and how that's changed and now streaming for films and things do take these little leaps you know and 
yeah, that's it. It's quite exciting, isn't it, really? Yeah, just to uh, finish up on, because um, uh, I was going to mention about James Webb. Uh, obviously, yeah, Greg touched on that just now. Um, and I was reading that same thing, Greg. Absolutely fascinating, isn't it? That it's uh, the equivalent of holding up a grain of grain of sand at arm's mm-hmm. length. And within that picture, there are like, you know, hundreds of galaxies and, and probably hundreds more behind that you can't see and, and all the rest of it. And I, I was looking just for a little bit of some numbers about like how many stars are, are in a galaxy. And apparently it can vary between a, a measly 100 million stars in, in a galaxy uh, compared to like the largest galaxies estimated to have 100 trillion stars. And if you think how many galaxies there are in that grain of sand-sized thing, and then you you know how many galaxies there are, and then figure out how many stars there are, and then all of the other little grains of sand in the rest of the sky, it's just absolutely mind-boggling, isn't it? The the sheer mm-hmm. scale of it, yeah. you know. But it it sort of made me think like about the the sheer size of the universe and what that means for the probability of another intelligence having you know sprung up somewhere. Yeah. But it, it also kind of made me think when you consider how vast even our own galaxy actually is, and again, I had a quick scan for the numbers on this, apparently our galaxy is one with 18 zeros after it kilometres across. And in in other words, it would take 100,000 light years to actually travel across. I mean, so even if you travelled at the speed of light, it's going to take you 100,000 years to get across our own galaxy. (laughs) Oh, you just just can't, can you? It's it's (laughs) mind-boggling. And and it does kind of make you think, like when you think of about that. Yeah, on the one hand, it makes you think about the 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 sheer amount of possible places that life could have sprung up, but it it does kind of almost make you think. You know, when you consider the sheer size of it, like is is it perhaps you know more likely that there is another explanation that's not extraterrestrial? You know, because of the sheer size of, of what we're actually dealing with. Maybe you know the things that are being witnessed. You know, does does that the sheer scale of everything does that actually lend more credibility to things like the crypto terrestrial hypothesis? You know, interdimensional mm-hmm. things like that, yeah. or, or, or something we've never thought of. You know, maybe not like a being or not a being. Maybe something else that we don't mm-hmm. have in our sphere of reality. You know, maybe it's something that's like a plasma, but it's like intelligent, or it's nothing to do with anything we can even conceive yet. You know. <laughs> That's it. And then I suppose the other way to look at it, playing sort of devil, devil's advocate with myself, is that when you think about how vast the universe is and how little of it we understand, thinking about things in terms of those kind of distances, you know, that might be irrelevant when, once you figure out certain things and, and whatnot. So it, could, it can work so many different ways, but what's for sure is it's just a, a mind-boggling thing to consider, isn't it, the, the sheer yeah. size of it all. And what it's do you reckon, insane. Ash? Yeah, again, I think... Definitely, the, especially like we and Greg talk about this quite a lot on our podcast. And the more we spoke to different people, the more we've explored different avenues, the interdimensional or, I say, crypto terrestrial that's already here. It's a lot more, it's a lot more easier to understand that that could be a possibility rather than coming from somewhere else. And like Thunderbird said, it, it could, could be something we don't know. It's our mind may not be able to comprehend what we're seeing. And that's how people see different things. We could, by thinking about it, we are imagining it into existence. It maybe it works that way. Who, like, we don't know, and that's. I mean, that's that's the magic of it is mm-hmm. we don't know, and that's what makes it all so fun. Is is discussing these different things and 
Always things like we don't know, so we can just talk. We can say anything, and it could be a possibility. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. one knows. No, that's what I like about it. I love that. Yeah, it's the the greatest mystery of all time, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, I, I would also um, say to all of you, challenge you to uh, take the most bizarre theories and try combining them. That gives you some nice out there ones to talk about. I love that. You know, combine yeah, a ladder know. with this idea. You know, see, I don't know. The hybrid theories, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that you can come up with some really cool stuff. So what do you reckon, Greg? Any thoughts on the vast scale of the universe and the meaning of life? Well, where do we... <laughs> we, we could start another hour's worth of conversation. Yeah. But space has always interested me. Um, and that, that's sort of looking up at the skies, which I do every time I go out, regardless of whether it's day or night. I was even having a conversation with my wife the other day and I said, look, it's daytime, I'm looking up, I can't see any stars, but they're all there still, I just can't see them. So is there a possibility that we're looking at stuff, it's there, we just can't see it Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And like like I mentioned then, it's just something that our brain can't conceive, so we just can't see it. And like I said, we're like a screen memory that we're just seeing stuff and that's just our brain's interpretation of what, what we're actually seeing people report seeing owls or tree stumps or disney characters when they're be like have some kind of alien interaction and it's just their way of their brain interpreting interpreting what they're seeing mm-hmm. so it, i don't know i don't know it's it's insane and like mm-hmm. ash said we talk about all of these concepts on the podcast and we we walk into these conversations and come out the other end going, what? <laughs> some of the conversations like mind blowing mm-hmm. that the concept is so alien for want of a better phrase that who knows, who knows we come out with more questions than we actually answer. And I think that's the joy and the magic and the fun, like I said, of, of all of this, we can all see it, have our different opinions, we could all be right. We could all be wrong. We could, none of us could be right and none of us could be wrong. It's mm-hmm. just it's just great that you can have a conversation with like-minded people and people listening are, have got that enthusiasm to try and further their knowledge. Yeah. Although, you know, you say you say that and that's how it should be, you know, and there's a lot of people on UFO Twitter that aren't like that, you know, and only focus on the negative stuff and pulling down ideas and no... So I think you're right. That's what it should be about, shouldn't it? You know, about sharing yeah. stuff and just batting around crazy ideas. And yeah. that's all we can do at the moment, really. So, yeah. Because sometimes you, you might come up with an idea and you go, somebody else might go, you know what, I've never even thought of it like that before. Yeah. You go, well, actually, that's, that kind of makes sense. Like the internet dimensional thing with cryptids and UFOs mm-hmm. and, uh, and portals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas a year and a half ago, I'd have gone... Your yeah. mental, yeah. absolutely bonkers. <laughs> but we've spoken to so many people over the time. You go, actually, that's not actually a bad theory, and it kind of gets everything into mm-hmm. one place that I can go. Well, actually, that's quite a good way of looking at it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's my theory about... on it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 good points. It's all about remaining curious, and I think you know things like that. The the images from the James Webb 
you know, it sort of reminds you of like, um, you know, it's good to sort of stay humble and keep asking questions because there's a ton of questions that we've not figured out the answers to yet, you know. So, yeah, I think, well, that's probably a good uh, point to, to call you the night there. It's been, a, it's been a really fun conversation. So thank, thank you, you so all. Much, Frank. Yeah, thank you. It's been amazing. Uh, it's, yep. been, it's been a really fun chat. So um, we'll leave it there. Oh, we- see, you ne- see you next time. UFO Roundtable The UFO thinker and pursuit of the paranormal podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>